Hello, everyone, and welcome to the It Just Works podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and today is a very special episode that is a long time coming, and I'm extremely excited today to have Ray at uh, Raymond on Instagram here today on the show. Ray, how you doing, man? And welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, everyone? And I'm doing good, dude. It's definitely been a long time coming. You and I have been talking back and forth for years now, so it's, it's good to put a, a face to the name, you know? Yeah, no, it really is, man. And uh, it's so cool to like finally come here with all the work that you've done over the years and just seeing your progression as an artist and really uh, kind of find your niche lately. And we're going to jump into that. Um, it's just fascinating. So uh, it's a it's a just working it out episode. So if you don't mind me asking before we jump into the, some of the icebreaker questions, uh, how's your week been so far? It's been all right, dude. It's been a little slow. Um you know, it usually happens around this time, like the end of the month, like everything's a little slower. But aside from that, it's been pretty good, man. Been, been taking care of the family, been hanging out, you know, everything's been good. Can't complain. Yeah, man, I'm happy to hear that. And when you when you say it gets kind of slower towards the end of the month, which it does naturally for even my business, um, are you full time, like a full time graphic designer now? Or, or what do you do as your primary uh, source of income? Yeah, I'm a full time graphic designer. Uh, so part of my income is commissions, freelance commissions. Another part is what I get paid through TikTok, what I get paid through Instagram, um, and what I get paid through DistroKid, which is the site that I use for my music. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so you definitely have, yeah, you're definitely, uh, you're hustling out there, no question about it. So I, I'm just trying, curious. trying. <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely doing a good job. And like I said, we'll definitely get into what I think you found your niche in. Um, but a couple icebreaker questions that I love to ask people when it's their first time on the show. Uh, we'll start off with like, what's your favorite video game or video game franchise? Honestly, you so you know me, you know, I draw a lot of Pokemon and stuff. But my favorite franchise of all time is Left 4 Dead, dude. I know it's nice. it's literally two games. But man, I grew up playing Left 4 Dead since it came out. I would I was on that for hours and hours and and that's something that I can't do even now with games being even better and more advanced and, and funner. Um yeah. it's just something about Left 4 Dead, just being able to turn my brain off, dude, and just, you know, run through maps nonstop. Um, I love the designs they use for the special infected. I love the the science between the maps like telling you where to go and and you know you never really feel lost you never really feel like you don't know what to do um yeah i've i've played that since it came out i still play it occasionally uh the only reason i don't is just because uh, recently i've got a new mac and it it's literally too advanced to play left for dead on steam uh which was heartbreaking uh, but yeah, dude, Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2. That's my jam. That's my jam. That is by far the coolest answer we've gotten on this show so far. That is completely out of left field. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. Uh, no, Left 4 Dead is honestly one of the best franchises out there, especially for the zombie. And, you know, when it comes to zombies, you know, I remember some of the heavy music I listened to came out like a zombie album. We had Walking yeah. Dead that when they came out. So there's like so much happening when that game came out. And I agree with you. The sandbox and the level design of those games is immaculate because if you go back and play in the city, it's left for dead one that I'm thinking of mm -hmm. and you're getting, you're in this construction zone. You're like, how the hell do I get through here? But you just do it because you're fighting the hordes yeah. of zombies and you just naturally make your way through. Um, fun fact, my friend Corey, uh, I don't know if you even ever hear this. Uh, he actually was like on a team for MLG game battles and they were like the top three team in the world or something like that. So no way ham on left for dead. Yeah. <laughs> left for dead was crazy. Yeah. Like it was so pretty popular. Left for dead left 4 dead competitive like y'all were competing in left 4 dead yeah yeah Damn, i didn't know that i didn't know that that it had yeah. gone that far i thought everyone was just hanging out playing <laughs> i was i was the one hanging out and playing i sucked competitively <laughs> but my friend uh my friends in high school were really really good at it uh wow. so that's awesome man uh what a ho i hopefully we get a left 4 dead uh three i know we got the, um whatever that game was uh came out a year or two ago or, it's the same um, developers back for blood yeah, I didn't like it, dude. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I mean, I liked it for the first month that it came out. I think it was just the excitement of like, oh, you know, this this could be Left 4 Dead. 
revamped or whatever. But no, there's just something that Left for Dead just just hit, you know, and, and that worked for them. And, and I, I, I know a lot of games struggle to kind of recreate that that magical thing that connects a player to the game. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm. It's kind of a dead hope for me. I don't think we'll ever see a Left 4 Dead three. I'm thinking it'll be more like Back for Blood, where someone makes a game very similar. But who knows, man? Who knows? Anything could happen. Yeah, that's true. And uh, hopefully, if they do it, they do it justice, or just do a remake yeah. and do it justice. I'd be happy with yeah. that too. Um. So next question that obviously we ask people in their first time here is, what is your favorite movie of all time? If you have a number one movie. Man, it'd be hard to pick. Um, <laughs> I guess really the first, is. the first one that comes to mind is Transformers. I'm a nut for the first Transformers, dude. Like, same thing when when it first came out, it was just like nothing like I had ever seen before. And I, I don't know, I I had always grown up playing with Transformers uh, figures, yeah. um, but then seeing how how gorgeous of an imagery michael bay and their team um did with first transformers and of course they continued it with the other ones but i feel like story-wise or design-wise like after the first or second one they something started like i don't know falling off um but the first one even though there's not it's not robot heavy um I, I don't know. It's just something about it. That I would say that's like my top, most of the time, my favorite movie, if not like top two. And it's not two. No, that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. So when that movie came out, I think it was like 2006 or seven. It was like at the height of yeah. like pop culture for us as we were like in high school and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think like Michael Bay just nailed it. And when I think of that movie, I just think of Optimus Prime. The first time I saw him yeah. in like his full robot form, I was like, "Dude, no way!" And uh, when he puts like his like uh, when he puts the mask on when he's in battle mode, I'm like, "Dude, like he nailed it!" Because uh, like we grew up watching Transformers. Uh, yeah. Two older brothers, so we watched Beast Wars a lot when we were kids. So we we know the oh, characters, yeah. we know we know some of the lore. So when the movies came out, I was I was blown away. I couldn't agree with you more. The way that he, the way him and the team like made those animations for the the transformations like i don't know how they nailed it so good back in the day like today i could see it happening but back then yeah i mean we're talking uh what 15 or uh 13 what 15 years ago about yeah know? it's it, it's nuts man uh so another solid choice man you really uh, i like your i like your choices here i didn't expect it so it's really awesome <laughs> thank um, you dude i mean dude i'm a simple guy dude robots and zombies you got me dude you already got me i'm hooked there we go. I love it. No, nothing wrong with that. And so one of the things you're talking about earlier in terms of like one of your sources of income, and it's always something that's uh, kind of caught my interest because some of the uh, album arts you used to use for some of your hits uh, from some of the songs you released and dropped uh, was Godzilla. And I always thought that was dope and badass. But what what got you into music? I, I would love to know. I I'd been into music. I mean, I guess into creating music since my eighth no seventh grade year in junior high um so i was like what 12 um and back then i had really i had like a, a weird army phase to where i was like wearing camo like every day dude like i was like spinning sticks pretending they were guns and stuff and <laughs> um in my town uh, first through sixth is elementary, seventh and eighth is junior high, and then ninth through twelve is is high school. Um, so when I was going from elementary to junior high, uh, you know they give you the list of classes, and you have all these. You know you could be in art, you could be in ROTC, which is actual you know closer to to the army world. Um, and I was like, nah, dude, I want to play the trumpet, you know, cause that, 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 that stuff. <laughs> I was like, dude, I want to be that guy. And so <laughs> I started learning how to play trumpet in seventh grade and I was really bad. I was like really bad. Like I couldn't like get any of the cool parts that I wanted. 
Um, so then I worked my ass off all through eighth grade and my freshman year of high school coming in, I was, I was pretty good. I was pretty decent. Um, and when I didn't have to worry about learning how to play one instrument is when I was introduced to learning music theory, like in general, how to create stuff. Um, and so from there, I just, you know, I, I would look up programs where I could either get like loops, like pre-made loops and put them together. Um, or there were, there are also programs called uh, Finale where you can, wow, well, what's the word I'm looking for? You can compose your own music, like note by note, literally write it out. And from then I just got the bug, dude. Like I was, I was making random songs every week and, and albeit they were, you know, bad because I was 13, 14, 15 making them. But, you know, you learn from the last one, right? So I just kept going and going. And then when I went to college, I wanted to study music education and the, the basic classes that you start off with is music theory and that was like the first time that i actually like dove in like refined all the stuff that i'd learned and, and since then you know i just wanted to continue with that so yeah it's 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 it started when i was you know pre-teen um but it just evolved since then nice nice and uh obviously this is one of the questions that i wrote down for your artistry but in terms of like music too is there like an end game for you is there something that you want to accomplish and and what i mean by that is i actually like to write music too um i don't know i'm i forgot unfortunately almost everything i went to college for but uh <laughs> same like a goal i have yeah dude, it's it's horrible but like a goal i have is to maybe release an ep on itunes and just i can tell you hey look up perspectives and boom there it is so like yeah. is there like something that you'd like to reach as a goal i think honestly just to be able to use music to help like pay my bills, you know, like it, it helps a little bit now. Um, Cause I mean, I don't, I can't do it full time just because, you know, the reach and the pay and all that stuff. Like um, I'm much more comfortable doing design right now. And that helps a lot more, but at some point to be able to make enough music or to make good enough music to where, you know, I don't have to, worry about the light bill and the water bill and you know x bill here x bill there um you know because most people that want to make music want to be famous or that i see you know that might it might not be most people but a lot of people i see want to make music and they want to blow up and they want to you know do the whole touring do the whole superstar stuff and i'm not i'm not that like extroverted um like i've i've performed on stages before and i love it but i don't know if i want to do that all the time every day for a long time so yeah just you know hopefully making enough music and good enough music to help help me out help my family out um that'd be that'd be success right there for me like i don't need all the all the bling and all the, you know, glamorous shit, all the fame yeah, and glory. Yeah. yeah. So it'd be good if a lot of people knew my music, like, but yeah, I, I don't need all the, all the other crazy, you know, rock star, pop star stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, if you don't mind, let's go ahead and plug it now. Is it still under Raymond on Spotify? I believe it's under Spotify. You should check it out. Uh, yeah. Can people Raymond, go find it there? R E Y M E N N. Um, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, um, basically anywhere, you know, you download or listen to music and stream music. And uh, going off a little bit off that, it's a lot easier nowadays to stream music because the website that I use to distribute my music charges me $20 for the year. You know, so whatever I make, yeah. I upload and whatever that you know generates money wise um which is more than twenty dollars over the 12 months you know you can just keep feeding that back to the program and continue it so it's a lot easier nowadays to to be able to do that and show your your music yeah it is one of the best things about technology as 
you know, there's definitely some conversations to have there where social media and internet has been a detriment to society, but also it's been a benefit to artists like yourself. And that's one of the ways right there, a distribution of our music. And I think that's fantastic. And I also want to make it clear that there will be links to all of Ray's art and music in the description of the video and this podcast. So please check that out. Uh, that's awesome, man. I really appreciate you sharing that story, though, because uh, I'm a huge music buff. Obviously, I lean more toward I listen to everything, but I lean more towards yeah. hardcore and metalcore. Um, oh, yeah. But I I cherish music, man. So it's always happy to hear some. I'm always happy to hear someone else's story. Um, and but one of the things that you've really blown my mind away over the years, as I can see the progression in your art and your style, is the graphic design that you do. And uh, that was a question I really had for you. Is like, what what got you into graphic design? Was that just a career path that you always knew you wanted? Was it something you found through high school, or just you just did it one day and you said, "Yeah, fuck it." <laughs> Dude, I've been drawing since like literally before i can remember like i know that's a saying that people use a lot but um my my family will show me pictures of when i was a kid and and it'll be you know just a family on a couch or something and if you look at like the walls there will be drawings of like pokemon like on little papers just torn up and stuck to the wall or like beetleborgs i don't know if you know beetleborgs um so i'd been drawing forever in in my eyes um but i never really thought that's what i would you know do for a living um like i said when i when i was in high school going into college i thought i'm gonna be a music teacher you know that's just what i'll be doing forever um and then i realized i didn't like kids as much as (laughs) i thought and I was like, yeah, that's kind of a core thing. So I don't know if that's going to work out. Yeah. Um, and I had always drawn. And even when I was in high school, like art programs, like computer programs, like Photoshop and stuff, were still in their very early stages. So it's not like you could just go and download Photoshop. You couldn't, you know, go and download something on your computer, much less your phone where you could learn how to draw. So that was like, I, it wasn't even a thought in my head, like, oh, I could do graphic design. And then when I went to college and I was like, yeah, you know, I I realized that I, I could do music, but I didn't want to do music education. So I actually switched my major to art and design. Um, and then as I learned more about it, I realized how much technology had caught up. And now there were, more programs outside of Photoshop, outside of all the big, big name, expensive programs that I could just download to practice on, you know? And so from there, I, I, I learned Photoshop because of my classes, but that field in particular of graphic design wasn't a huge thing in my college. So there was only one class that would teach you about Photoshop. And after I finished it, I was like, all right, where's where's the next thing? Where's the next thing I can learn? They're like, no, yeah, you're good. That's it. Like, there's no more of that. And so that sucked. Um, and so I started, you know, I I think I pirated Photoshop at that point. I'm not really sure. Um, but I started learning, you know, my own tactics and my own stuff. Um, and then as I got better, I was like, all right, well, maybe I can convince someone to, to pay me money for it. And that's how it started, dude. Like little by little, like I'd sell a drawing for like $10 and then, you know, next month I'd sell one for 15 and then, you know, the next three months I'm just charging $10, $5 for things that would take me hours of work, but at that point, I just wanted to, you know, get into it, get my 10,000 hours in. Um, so, yeah, it, it it all kind of evolved as l- luckily technology kind of kept up with my my desire to want to do it. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd been drawing forever and I kind of just, you know, if if something in the art scene pops up, like I'm on it, like I try to research it you know first it was graphic design uh digital design then not too long ago it was nfts 
then not too long ago or now actually it's ai art you know and oh. even though i might not use everything i'm still like keeping an eye on what what how the field is growing and, and evolving it's actually uh i'm looking at my questions and i forgot to write it down but you just hit a really really high note but before we jump into that would you like to explain the 10,000 time rule or do you want me to? Because I feel like a lot of people don't know about that. And it's honestly kind of like a general rule of life with, when it comes to skills. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, I was told very, you know, simply like you can't really call yourself great at something without putting your 10,000 hours in. And obviously you're not, you know, timing yourself. Oh, I spent six hours today. I spent seven hours <laughs> yesterday. Like, but yeah. you kind of just feel it. You know, when you're a couple years down and you don't go through the same obstacles you did when you started, you're like, okay, I'm getting there. I'm getting those 10,000 hours um, and I can master this if I continue doing that. That's how it was explained to me. Same here. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted it to be said again, too, because I think that is a really golden rule i actually went to the art institute of the inland empire out here in southern california and nice. one of my teachers was actually the guy who created invader zim or the artist for invader zim no way and yeah i'm forgetting his name but the professor he was harsh told me i suck he said why am i even here um but i i appreciate that though because i went through different avenues and i found what i wanted to so i went back into music um but that whole school fell apart but the teachers were legit and uh he was such a nice guy and in terms of the just being transparent and that is something that he brought up was the ten thousand hours he's like how many hours do you think you put into you know drawing i was like uh like not even 50 and he's like yeah like unless you want to devote yourself to that ten thousand hours this probably isn't for you and i'm really glad that he told me that because i couldn't agree with it more and uh it's truly fascinating and i think it's a really positive way to live life but also kind of keeps you humble because you, you said it yourself like how you can't call yourself great at something if you haven't done it for ten thousand hours and i totally believe that i am three years into this podcast come uh june and i feel yeah, like i saw so there. much to learn yeah we're, we're getting there we're getting there and uh i'm just now diving into video editing um and that was like kind of the funny thing you said too uh so when i was in high school i took uh computer science web design and you're right dude like photoshop when we were in high school like it wasn't so accessible like it is now like you couldn't no. um you couldn't do like a ten dollar a month adobe membership and then here's full access to all of our suite like you can't you couldn't do that you had to pirate it um so that is really cool that technology like as you said grew as you continue to grow as an artist because it truly has made it accessible to you uh but that it does lead to one of the questions i have and how you feel about it uh nfts and ai art like as an artist how do you combat that or like what's your take on that because it's kind of like a hot topic right now i'd say in the art industry yeah i mean NFTs in particular, I didn't really get into mainly because of the whole crypto part of it. You know, I even now I still don't really understand blockchains and and what crypto really is with the rising and fall of a certain valuable coin or bit or whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, so I never really got into it. And, and I know the big like selling point. Uh, to me that a lot of other artists told me when they were when nft started popping and, and they wanted to get into them was like hey like even if you sell something you get a kickback like you get a percentage and they can sell it a million times and you'd still get a percentage which is cool because that's very much non-existent in traditional art let's say you know someone sells a, a van gogh van gogh is obviously not getting any money or, or i guess that's way too late maybe banksy i don't know someone tells I know a banksy, what you're saying, <laughs> like he doesn't get anything which that aspect of a kickback is very cool but to me it was like you know if you sell an nft for three dollars and then they sell it for 10 and they sell it for 20 you still get x amount when in my mind i'm just going why don't i just sell them the piece for 40 dollars and it's theirs you know and I could possibly have gotten the same amount of kickback or more if I just sold it to them and without having to make them log in and, and put in a code to display their art, like they could just pull it up on anything they have. So it was really tough for me to get, 
into it. I didn't, I, I never really dove in. I didn't make any NFT stuff. I didn't turn any of my old art to NFT to try to sell. Um, so that kind of lost me. And then the wave died. So, you know, as yeah. all waves do. And now the biggest thing is, is AI art, which is a lot more, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's a lot more like it's evolving and changing at a much more rapid pace than anything yet in terms of, of programming, in terms of art and style, in terms of, of shifting the culture. Like this is a literal atomic bomb and it's it 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 boomed but you you're still feeling the effects of it right now and and it's interesting like ai generation programs are a very powerful tool and artists and and even businesses are still kind of trying to figure out certain legalities of what one can and can't do because yes it's cool that you can type in you know vader riding a horse or something and it pops up but then you get into like okay is the program getting a style from an artist is that copyright for style is the artist even alive to try to even combat that is it taking you know, uh, styles from the Renaissance and is that copyright? Um, you know, it's, it's very tricky. Like I myself use AI mainly to help plan out, um, a design. So like, let's say, you know, I have an idea for a design and I just can't get it in my head. I'll, I'll type in into an AI app that I got on my phone or something. Mm. And then, you know, it'll give me a lot better picture so that I can use that as a reference to, you know, start working on it. Um, I had made a joke about AI uh, with one of my friends a while ago to where, like, art, creating art is you're going to Thanksgiving and you made your mashed potatoes, you mashed them up, you made the gravy, you added the butter, did all that good stuff. But AI art is like, you went to KFC, you got the mashed potato dinner plate, and then you brought it to Thanksgiving and said, hey, look at my mashed potatoes. You know, like, that's what it feels like. Um, and yes, uh, there's the argument of who's creating the prompts, who's making the small edits, who's, you know, the actual programmers. Um, it's just, it's very new. AI is still very new. I think everyone is still figuring it out. And I feel like the AI we have right now, the AI culture we have right now is the wheel. And I feel like very, very soon we're going to have a Ferrari, if you know what I mean. Like, it'll have evolved that much. I do see potential for it to evolve a lot. And I've even dabbled with it. I typed in, uh, I think I typed in Master Chief uh, in the woods or something, and it came up with like this whole scape. I think I posted them on Instagram at one point, but uh, I don't know. As somebody who's a failed artist, and I'm very proud of that because I'm okay with not being good at it. Um, initially, I kind of found it like despicable because of how tr traditional artists like yourself must feel, just like people who create their own original ideas. And you're also good at tacking on uh uh, ideas that already exist i think i think you do a great job of that as well and uh i just found it to be cheap but i've come to see a ton of ai art in the last few months like we're talking about it's kind of just this atomic bomb you can definitely tell that it's ai art i yeah. feel like if you have a really good eye for it you can tell and from what i've been seeing lately though is like people aren't really doing it well from my perspective and what I've seen, people aren't claiming to be artists now. Like they're just having fun with it. And I think yeah. like, to a degree that's okay. Like, how do you, I mean, are you okay with that? Or is it something you're like kind of hope dies down? Um, I do like the idea though, that if you have, you have this vision, but you just can't visualize it. You type in the prompt like, Oh, that's pretty badass. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay 
it with people using it um, ethically in in quotation marks ethically because people's ethics are different. Um, you know, if someone's just you know messing around with it, uh, working with the program, trying to get better with whatever program they're using, and you know, posting to see what sticks and what doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Um, a couple maybe months ago. I saw a couple of stories. So one, I saw that, um, I don't know if it was a school, I don't know if it was just an online thing, but some organization was having a an art contest. They were hosting an art contest. And the winner ended up being a person that just used AI and only typed in the prompts to make the art had won. And, and I don't remember exactly what the prize was. I don't know if there was any money involved. But that seems, you know, not ethical, art, art ethical, um, yeah. because you do have the people that didn't win that put in, you know, X amount of hours. And had this program not known enough information to make a good piece of art, chances are it would have been uh, an artist that had won it. And then a couple weeks after that, I had heard about um, this guy on Twitter was talking about how he wrote a children's book. Um, but the art of the children's book was AI generated. The actual writing in the book was also AI generated. Oh. And so, and then he said, he, he, what's it called? He puts it up, he publishes it on Amazon and is selling you know, his children's book. And it's like, where's the, where's the work, you know, where's like the soul? Like, and I get, like I yeah. said, I get the argument of people that do the prompts. They say, Oh, well, I'm the one that thought of the idea. I'm the one that refines the idea, you know, but there's, it's just something about it, about just being able to type in whatever and being able to, to have this, magical thing that creates whatever you see as opposed to 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 creating it you know no no middleman in between you're creating it you're you're carving out the statue you know what i'm saying so yeah. it, it just depends like i said i'm not completely against ai i'm i'm not an old man that's like oh, i hate new <laughs> technology yeah. um, because it is a very powerful tool like and it's not going away anytime soon. Um, I don't. I don't know if I'll ever lose my job to AI because um, my job is very specific in my case, to where I mostly do a certain style. But you know, who knows? Like tomorrow, someone might create a program that has Raymond style, Raymond art style programmed into it you know and then anyone can get whatever they want just by typing it in in my style so yeah it's very it, it's tricky you know it's tricky like it, it's it's very new i think artificial intelligence in general us as humans are still kind of trying to figure out and learn about and and i don't know I, i'm i like ai art just you know use it use it accordingly you know what i'm saying like yeah no i i couldn't agree with you more and, and that's why i had to bring up the questions to you because you you just make so many good points and and you're right i did hear that story about the guy who won using ai generated art but you're talking mm -hmm. about this guy who uh did the kids book i feel like it can it can be a useful tool but it i think it needs to be laid out though that like hey like this was created using AI generated art, just so you know. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah. um, you know, like when you had to submit an essay in college, like you had to have all your uh, um sources listed at the bottom. Like I think AI generation, it has to have that source and be like, hey, like this is the app I use, this is what I did. Like it, I just think that it has to happen that way. It has to be regulated somehow because yeah, you're right. Like we're kind of we're kind of veering away from the heart and soul of the people who made that statue, who made that art piece. So I think, um, I think there's room for both in the marketplace is what I'm getting at. And, uh, you, you know, you said that if the technology does keep advancing like crazy, that 
you know, people can type in Raymond art. And that's kind of something I wanted to talk about in, in terms of your style. Uh, it, I think it's something that you, I think we'll probably admit, but um, after Scarlet and Violet came out, we got Paradox Pokemon. And you, my friend, have found what I think is a very, very good niche in terms of the Pokemon community. Uh, mm. You you uh, you got on TikTok. I remember when you started on TikTok and you're blowing up on there. Um, I just feel like the Paradox Pokemon is kind of taking off. This is from an outside looking in, though. You can tell me I'm wrong. Um, but like, how is how did that come about? And is it true, though, that, like, that this is like kind of taking off for you? Because I, I feel like it is. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, I did something right before the paradoxes that I think was was the thing. I, I can't remember right now. I don't um, know if it was like a convergent species or a regional species. I think so, yeah. Or um, So I had started on TikTok maybe like two years ago. And, you know, just kind of posting art, posting, you know, trying to make funny videos, posting music, seeing what would stick. And nothing did, dude. Like the whole first year that I had TikTok, um, I had a hundred followers. Like I'm pretty sure, maybe like a hundred and twenty. And at some point, I felt like, well, I'm putting too much energy to too many things. I thought, like, I was doing a lot of music. I was posting a lot on Instagram. I was trying to post a lot on TikTok. I was trying to keep up on YouTube. Like I, I just had so much on my plate and I was getting disappointed that none of nothing was working, you know? So at some point I was like, all right, I'm going to zone in on one thing and see how that goes. And the one thing I figured would be best was TikTok. Since TikTok is still very much young, you know, it's at a young age itself as a program in our society. And so um, what made me blow up on Instagram was my Pokemon fusions like oh, four yeah. years ago, like a while ago. That's what really started getting people to my page. So I was like, all right, let's keep that and just kind of reformat it to what I see TikTok likes. And so I had a, I have a, a folder in my hard drive with all my fusions and I started working on making videos five, six, seven second videos um, about the fusions. And I had so many that I could post three videos a day for like four months. And that was this past July. So I was like, that's my game plan. I'm going to post morning, afternoon and evening and just do that until I run out. And so, you know, I, I started doing that the first month, you know, I didn't really see a change. I mean, we gained 50 followers, but then the second month I gained like a hundred more. And then the third month I gained like 200 more. Then it just kept growing. Um, and so I was like, all right, like, this is it. The fusions, the fusions got my back one once again, dude. <laughs> and yeah. it was, it was great until... I ran out of, of fusions in the vault, you know? So then I had to yeah. not only work on new ones to keep up the pace, but also had, you know, commissions and other stuff that I had to do on the side. And I was like, damn, okay, maybe I can't sustain this as much as I thought now. Um, and the page was still growing. So I was like, all right, I'm going to cut back because now I know that there are people seeing my page I'm going to post once when I feel like everyone's getting home from work and stuff. So I post uh, usually around between four to five and I had to make sure that whatever design I do is like thought through quite a bit. Um, and then right before Scarlet and Violet, before we knew about Paradox Pokemon and stuff, a lot of people were already thinking like, oh, there's going to be, future forms and past forms of Pokemons and and what did they call it? they called it something else I, like the fans already had like a term for it but um so I was like all right I'll, I'll start doing that so I started making up past and future forms of Pokemon um but they were you know 
what we knew of of Pokemon today. So I would just kind of make them look like evolutions a little bit. Um, and then, you know, the trailer drops, that Scarlet and Violet trailer drops where we see the first looks of, of Iron Treads and Great Tusk. And you're like, whoa, dude, like, that's something else. You know, then the game comes out. You get to really know these Paradox Pokemon. You get to learn about the the mysteries about them and, and where they even come from. And that just kind of gave me the reign to, like, do do whatever I wanted, you know, because Paradox Pokemon have no no set, like, set sheet of what they should look like you know like yeah. it the pokedex say that they're literally from someone's imagination or, or something like that um yeah. so that's when i was like yeah i can go off on this and yeah a lot of people liked them the one that really popped the most was the the tinka tinka ton that i did with a gun um people <laughs> loved that one dude that one like I think it, it hit like a million views on TikTok like a couple weeks ago, dude. Like people went crazy for that. They thought it was the funniest um, stuff. Um, but yeah, dude. So I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, riding the waves, kind of seeing, you know, what's popping, what's going on um, and trying trying to not have like a, a, a dull, a dull space going on. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry, I'm giggling because I'm looking at Iron Strap right now. I'm on your TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. It's so badass. One of the other ones that you did that I truly love, uh, as we're talking about Paradox Forms here, was Lugia, and that one also hit about almost 700,000 views. Very good feedback. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. As I remember when you came back to TikTok, and that's when you were doing the fusions, and I think you were at about 1K because that's you know that's where I'm at. I remember you kind of came back mm. and we were doing that, and yeah, now you're sitting at 18K, almost a million likes. I mean, dude, like, yeah, I think that's why it's so cool to see because I I suck ass at social media. I'm not good at it. I I actually can't stand social media. I need to get over yeah. it because I want to yeah. find that success creating the podcast. Um, I'm a huge gamer, so I want to be able to post video game clips and do this and do that. And it's also funny that you talked about July last year because uh, I did the same thing. There's two clips that I posted from Halo Infinite that got like stupid views, man, stupid views. And all I was doing was shooting myself with a warthog across the map <laughs> as Master Chief and uh, in the campaign. So it's like, it's kind of weird what can what can blow up. You never really know because yeah. I was literally in my sales class. My phone's blowing up, and my coworker or my friend went next to me. He's like, "Dude, are you going viral right now?" I was like, "I'm like kind of in the Halo community, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, dude, so, congrats." No, it, yeah, thank you. No, it was cool as shit, and and I I was looking at your TikTok though, and I could have done Instagram as well, but there is one thing that you did kind of before you jumped into the fossil like reimaginings of the prehistoric Pokemon. Uh, you did the Halloween Pokemon, and I'm a Charizard fanboy, and I thought you nailed that line as like a Halloween line, kind of like a uh, the Day of the Dead. Um, yeah, I thought I thought that was fucking sick, man. Like you nailed it. Um, but so we have a few questions regarding Pokemon, and we're gonna jump into that. But one that's kind of Let's like on it. the spot. I feel like it won't be too hard. Um, what's your favorite like official Paradox Pokemon so far? I would say Iron Thorns, dude. Iron Thorns is like I'm I'm a Tyranitar fanatic, dude. Yeah. And I think the only thing Iron Thorns missed was the typing. I really, really wanted to see a steel typing on it. Um, but yeah, Iron Thorns like and I know a lot of people kind of hate on the future paradox forms because they're just a, a metallic skin on the regular yeah. Pokemon. Um, but I, I love Tyranitar too much to not like it, dude. Tyranitar, and then I would say Great Tusk is is right under it. Nice, nice. Well, the thing about Iron Thorns too, and which I sure I'm sure you could appreciate, is it's basically Mecha Godzilla too. Yeah, you know. So yes. it's like, <laughs> uh, it's really badass. I love Iron Thorns a lot. I don't think uh, I think the future ones are okay. I think uh, Iron Valiant's really badass too. Oh yeah. But I remember. You know, like you're talking about what the the people were calling the leaks and stuff. They're calling them ancient forms. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so Salamence was on that list, 
And I was like, no way, dude, no way am I getting a new, I, like I, third gen is like my favorite gen besides obviously Kanto. Um, and the second I saw Roaring Moon, I about cried and I made sure to like go hunt a shiny one down. So yeah, dude, seriously, chef's, chef's kiss, kiss it's like, man. He's literally the perfect version of mega salivants and salivants put together. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, we'll just keep the Pokemon train going because it's really fun. And I, I haven't talked about Pokemon in a while, but what's your, I know it's a hard one, but do you have a favorite Pokemon of all time? Or is it still Tyranitar? As you just said, like kind of a Tyranitar fanatic. Tyranitar, dude. And, and a lot of Pokemon as as more generations, you know, come and go. There's a lot of close ones, dude. But man, it's just, there's something about Tyranitar, dude. Like it, not only is it my favorite now, but it was like my first favorite. You know, like I remember playing gold and training this freaking Larvitar forever, forever. All my other Pokemon had evolved. Everyone else already, you know, did the Elite Four and did everything else. And I still had this Pupitar that just wouldn't evolve, dude. And I remember, you know, finally after however many hours or however long it took of, of it evolving to Tyranitar and, and me seeing it for the first time because, you know, it's not like now where you can just look up the whole Pokedex whenever you want. Like, I had no idea what it was going to look like. And I just yeah. remember, like, like, the feeling of, like, relief and, like, just, like, ah, like, it was worth <laughs> it, you know? Like, he's not just going to turn into some random, like, yeah, dude, it's it's been Tyranitar. Also, you know, I'm a little bias on godzilla as designs um but yeah man tyranitar is number one for me all day every day yeah no that's awesome too and you do make a good point though like you already went through the pokemon league you already went to kanto you find yourself at mount silver and you got this cute little rock lizard and you're like what the hell am i doing to do with this and then it turns into a cocoon you're like i feel like i'm getting led to nothing here and yeah sure enough, i think it's level 50 or 55 that's when you find out you got a yeah. beast yeah <laughs> Uh, do you happen to have a favorite starter? Uh, we're 10 generations deep. Do you have a favorite starter? A favorite starter? Uh, I think hmm, that's actually a tough one. I would say Infernape is probably up there because I, I really love 4th Gen. I really love Sinnoh. Infernape and probably Feraligator. Are some of the two that there I would say go. are my favorites. Yeah, that's my water boy. I love. Uh, yeah, the Totodile Crocodile for alligator, Crocodile for alligator line. Ah, oh, can't go wrong. It's uh, for me, I go uh, you know, the Charizard line for alligator, and then a Sceptile. I'm you got to stick to that. Yeah, the lizards, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. Exactly, exactly, dude. Uh, I had to, man. And then um, I I haven't seen you post them in a while. I know you got a collection, but do you have a favorite Pokemon card at all? I would say, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's um, well, it's Tyranitar. Big surprise, big surprise. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the name. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, a, a long time ago, they did the set where they changed types, Delta species, Delta, Delta species, species, dude. And they had a fire steel Tyranitar. Um, yep. and the artist is Mitsuhiro Arita, uh, which everyone. If you see his everyone art, you know. know his art. Everyone knows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And dude, that card is is perfection, dude. Like such a cool type, especially back then when fire steel type was unfathomable. Like, yeah, the the actual art on it is so like daunting. You know, yeah, I would, I would say that. It's a really solid choice because yeah, he's in that room and his back's turned to you. Yeah, and his tail just looks like it's gonna hit you through the card. Uh, yeah, Delta species like had me lose my shit when I was a kid because the other side of that token in that same set was Salamence, who was fire and steel. Yeah, so, and he was all 3D, so, yeah. right? He's like 3D generated. Yeah, so uh, no, it, uh, that's a really cool era. I would say another runner up would probably be Shining Tyranitar because it literally looks like he's going Super yeah. Saiyan just as a as a shiny Tyranitar. Um, but Neo Destiny is an amazing set. But yeah, I had to ask. Uh, it is funny though because Tyranitar does have some of the best cards in the entire TCG, which is funny because he's getting a new card in the next set. And mm -hmm. uh, we went to, well, went to a place out here and uh, they were selling the Japanese card. And my friend Brandon, who's actually got commissions from you, Giga Narwhal, he's done the pop head with you and stuff. 
and then he oh, did like okay. a monster hunter yeah he did like a monster hunter play mat with you too but um yeah he's a tyrannosaur fanboy and he picked up that card and it's like dude it's so sick so you got a new tyrannosaur to look forward to um but, dude, uh, well, for are... a while sorry i don't want to cut you off no no good no go um ahead. for a while um a couple years ago i started re you know getting into my love for collecting cards and i was like dude i'm gonna collect every single tyranitar card from every set that i can and this was back in like 2015 2016 and so you know spent a crap load of money got every tyranitar card from every set up until that point and so then the next set comes and there's there's i think three different ones the the hollow the rare and the secret rare so I was like, all right, I'll, I'm going to try for those. And then the next set comes out and there's another hollow or rare and a secret rare and like a, a rainbow rare. And I was like, oh, all right, these are kind of coming at me kind of kind of close. And then every set after that had like two or three different Tyranitar cards, you know, in the set. And I was like, oh, man, I, I tapped out, dude. I couldn't. It was too many to keep up with that. I feel that uh so i um i sold my collection back in like 2017 2018 which mm. i hate that i did because i had i had every charizard uh every art of charizard printed in english yeah so i had sky ridge i had gold gold star all of that and now i'm trying to like kind of go back and collect some of that again and like even uh shining charizard my favorite card of all time it's a thousand bucks if you want it in good condition and i'm like dude stupid man so i'm glad you were able to get most of the best ones before that price hike because now it's yeah. a ridiculous um yeah it's something else but uh well, the last major question i have for you today because it's something i'm fascinated in because i didn't know you had this in you because a lot of people don't talk about it uh, competitive battling on the pokemon games that is so badass i thought i was like the only one who still like cared about this shit you know especially on instagram and so I see you posting about it. And I'm like, dude, he's like really making a name for himself on there. Uh, were you always into competitive battling or did you kind of just get back into it because Scarlet and Violet's just a really fun game competitively? Dude, I. So, yes, because of Scarlet and Violet, I got back into it when Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire had come out. I was really into, you know, breeding and, and making, you know, competitive teams and stuff. And then after Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire was was when I started kind of losing interest in Pokemon games as a whole. Um, yeah. You know, the next ones after that just never like drew me in. Um, and I would buy the games, but I would just play them until I beat the league and then I would never touch them again. Um, so then Scarlet and Violet comes out and I'm playing it and I'm having the most fun I've had in a recent Pokemon game, aside from um, Legends Arceus. Um, oh, good game. But man, I'm I'm having all this fun. I'm like, damn, like it like reinvigorated this, you know, this drive that I had. And so I started looking into, into you know, the Pokemon again and, and how well they could do competitively. And the more I looked into it, the more I, I realized how much easier it is now to build a competitive Pokemon, you know, you don't have to breed for perfect IVs anymore because of mints. You don't have to, you know, hatch a thousand eggs for a shiny. Like it's a little bit easier to hunt for shinies now if you want one. And so, yeah, dude, like I started, um, I'm a sucker for sandstorm teams. Um, so, you know, Tyranitar's <laughs> in it, Tyranitar's <laughs> in it. Um, and, you know, I just started, you know, building again, you know, experimenting with different Pokemon. And lately, my my what, one of my MVPs that's, you know, maybe not MVP in the game per se, but in my heart has been uh, Orthworm. <laughs> Dude, Orthworm is just like the cheesiest Pokemon, like. He's just so cool, dude. Like, I fell in love with him. I fell so much in love with him over time. Like, uh, I would keep him in my battles, and he would just kind of come through in totally different ways every time. And I was like, dude, Orthworm is my guy, dude. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad I got back into it, dude, because, you know, a couple months ago, man, you wouldn't believe it, dude. Like I was terrified of going online. Like I had built a team. I had, you know, I kind of figured out what it could do, but I couldn't really practice. Um, and I, I was terrified of going online because I'm like, it's, it's a new game. Like it's a new meta, all these dudes, all these people are going to know more about it than me. Like I'm going to suck like all this stuff. And, and it took me like a week of convincing myself to freaking plug online. Yeah. And then I did dude. And I was like, man, like, what am I afraid of dude? Like I, every time I get online, I have so much fun. And <clears throat> the big difference between me playing competitively 10 years ago and me playing now is that 10 years ago, if I lost, you know, let's say I lost really bad. RNG wasn't on my side at all. I just got swept by a, a Pikachu. I don't know. Like, I would, like, hold my DS, dude, and I would just, like, squeeze it. Like, I would squeeze it until I felt the plastic folding, like, or yeah. bending, but not cracking. And I would just, like, oh, and I would just, like, <laughs> drop it and, and you know, rage quit or whatever. But now, dude, like, Sometimes I'll get completely annihilated and dude, I'm just laughing my ass off, dude. Like it's so much fun now. You yeah. know, now that I can actually enjoy it and not rage out. Like it's so much fun, dude. I love um battling online. I love battling in rank battles. Um and now I watch the VGC tournaments on YouTube. I try to catch them every every other weekend that they come on or whenever they come on. Because, yeah, dude, it's just uh, Scarlet and Violet has just, I don't know, I'm, I I might only be speaking for myself, but it kind of just brought back that, like, that Pokemon magic that maybe some players might have lost before. Uh, I know in my case, I at some point I felt like I was like, I'm supporting a losing team, you know, like, I'm, I'm playing these games and I hate them. But no, Scarlet and Violet and, and Legends, like, really just, like, brought me back up they did their thing um yeah dude it's, I'm, I'm having fun playing pokemon again which is awesome you would have hated me when x and y came out so that's actually when i hit my competitive stride i've died down since then but mm. on x and y i had or y version because i'm a charizard fanboy and i chose charizard y <laughs> i had over 300 wins online i won a light uh the online competition because I ran a drought, a Nine Tails drought team with Charizard yeah. Y, Protean Greninja, which back then you can keep changing your typing yeah. didn't get nerfed, and then Gale Wings uh, Talonflame, Talon. which also hadn't gotten nerfed yet. So my yeah, I was a menace, dude. dude. I'm really proud of it because it was fun. Uh, so I need to make a team, and we got a battle just because I love battling too, and I couldn't agree with you more. It's just uh, it's so fun. And you kind of spoke to my heart there when you said that you were afraid to hop online because, I mean, I turned 30 this year, dude. I mean, you know, Scarlet Violet, I should be okay hopping online. Even I felt the exact same way. And I shit you not, I think I have video of it. I know I hit him up on YouTube. My first online battle was against a YouTuber named Pimp Knight who makes... Uh, oh, no way. You battled Pimp Knight? Dude, that is and awesome. Dude, it was nuts. And I knew it was, well, I saw the name. I was like, ah, that could be anyone. Anyone can name themselves Pimp Knight. Yeah. But sure enough, he was running a dragon themed team. And I was like, no, I think this is him. And then after I won the battle, by the way, I'm very proud of that shit. Nice. And I think it's because of, and just like you're talking about Ortho Worm, my, um, uh, my my lucky Pokemon that no one really saw coming was my dragon Terra type Espeon. <laughs> oh, so nice. Was, yeah, so I kind of threw Espeon out there as like a trick. People are like, oh, it's just going to be a psychic. Nope, that's my tarot type. So, um, yeah, I, I won the match. And sure enough, I go on YouTube. I'm like, nope, that's like literally his account. Like, I just beat a YouTuber on my very first online battle. <laughs> so Nice. Uh, yeah. Dude, I need to <laughs> I mean, look for that video. I need to look for that video. Yeah, I need to find to see. I think I recorded, you know, at least 30 seconds of it on my Switch, too. I need uh -huh. to post it because, like, I could not believe... Uh, I love Pimp Knight. I've been watching him since the Sun and Moon era. 
Um, but I couldn't agree with you with these games. I, you know, even though they do have performance issues and there is a lot of challenges that I wish they didn't have, it's yeah. still um, the Pokedex is the reason why I think you're interested in it because the Pokedex is the best that we've had since either X and Y or Gen 4. Because okay. in my opinion, I think Gen 5 is dog shit, but you know, we don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> but I do think like this Pokedex added so such a beautiful variety of Pokemon. Then you got the Paradox Mons. And then, uh, you know, Terratyping was a gimmick that I thought would be stupid when it was announced. And then sure enough, it's like super badass. Yeah, <laughs> um, dude. Flying so Tyranitar. Think... No four times weakness, dude. Like, oh, shit. Flying oh. Tyranitar. That's what I'm running on my Tyranitar. Dude, it's been a lifesaver. Like, I'm we're, we're not afraid anymore. Me and my Tyranitar of a low kick. You know, of a, of yeah. a rogue close combat hitting me out of nowhere, dude. Like, yeah, it's it's a great um um gimmick. Yeah, that is awesome, man. Because you're like, yeah, focus blast don't mean shit to me anymore. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Well, uh, that's pretty much all the questions I got for you today, Ray. I I just really appreciate you doing this, man. This is such a long time coming. Um, you know, I think we'll wrap it up here. I didn't want to take too much of your time. I know we got some. I got some stuff I got to do too. So, um. Go ahead and let the people know what you're up to, where they can find you. One of the things that you post on Instagram lately is that you got your commissions open up again. Um, you know, just let them know where they can find you and uh, we'll go from there. I'm Raymond on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. Uh, Instagram is actually underscore Raymond, R-A-Y-M-E-N-N. And yes, I do have commissions open. My birthday is coming up next month. Uh, I'm turning 29. So you and I aren't that, that far there away, dude. Um, and yeah, it. you know, you can check me out on Spotify or whatever you uh, listen to music to. I make rock, I make rap, I make electronic music. Um, and yeah, I mean, if, if you find my page, follow it, hit me up. I'm always down to talk to people. I'm always down to chat it up with people who love Pokemon, who love video games and music. Uh, yeah, and, and thanks, thanks to Ryan for having me, dude. Like, like, it's been a long time coming. We've been, you know, online friends forever. And yep. he, we've always just talked either way as comfortably as this, man. It was great. It was great, you know, doing this, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, no problem. I, I mean, I truly couldn't be happier to call you a friend. I think you're such a fantastic human being. And, and to speak to that one more time before we finish this, because I forgot to bring it up, is the animated logo. I gave you one little detail and you took it and made it like, I feel like you just ripped it straight out of my brain. I could not believe how <laughs> perfect it was. So I want to literally face to face thank you again and i saw that uh Saul's halls my cousin uh yeah. reached out to you as well i thought you did a fantastic job with that it reminded me of like the hbo when it turns on right before the presentation i was like dude that's so fucking sick so um check out ray's work i'm going to be posting it throughout the week to kind of uh promote this podcast i want to go ahead and post all of the old work that he did for me because it's beautiful and uh yeah so that's it We'll see you guys in the next episode. Be sure to check out Ray's links in the description. They will all be there. Reach out to him. Say hello. He's about as friendly as they get. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. See ya. Let's see.
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.